Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you guys again. Another Sunday, another time to spend in God's presence. Good morning to those who will be watching online and those who are faithful listeners on our podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being a part of us and God bless you guys as you listen. We'll start with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for another opportunity uh, to be taught by you, to be led by your spirit, to just wait for you to fill us up with um, grace, love, compassion, the unfailing love, your word that is life itself. We surrender our hearts to you. We yield ourselves to you. We bow before your holy throne. We worship with the holy angels in heaven, O oh God, and we sing, you are holy, Lord. You are holy, you are worthy of all praise. Father, be our guide this morning, be our teacher this morning. Open us our ears, give us ears to hear you. Give us hearts that understand, O oh God. Give us eyes to see you, to see you in throne, to see you in a new way, to experience you in a new way. I pray for everyone that is here in the sound of my voice, whatever time they do, they do hear um, this teaching today, that your spirit will be the one who ministers to them and brings understanding and builds much within them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we will go into keep your lamps burning. Last week we talked about... Um, the, the watchful servant, the watching servant. And we went into Jesus' um, teaching on how be a servant who are, uh, you gird your loins and you're waiting for your master to return, you're being watchful. And then we talked about how Jesus talks about his coming. What does his coming look like? He talks, uh, he says in Revelations that he will come as a thief in the night, right? And he also says in the book of uh, Luke that um, you know, like uh, when if the householder knows when the thief is coming, he would have prepared himself and he would not have allowed his house to be broken through. And then we know Peter also says that that day will come like a thief on everyone. And even Paul reiterates the same thing, Apostle Paul reiterates the same thing, saying that, you know, that day, that day will come as a thief of anyone, but you are not in the darkness that you should, uh, that that day should come upon you, all right? Why are you not in the darkness? So today we're going to look at keep your lamps burning, and we'll go back to the scripture which uh, Jesus tells his disciples to keep uh their loins girded and their lamps burning, being as the one who's waiting for their master to come. And that's in uh, Luke chapter 12. So let's uh, go ahead and read that one more time. So Luke chapter 12, uh, verse from verse 35. Um, I'm going to read this one. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourself. Be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. So, be like servants who are waiting for their master to come. And he says, 
have your loins girded, right? Another time we're, we're gonna revisit what it means to have your loins girded, but we're gonna talk today about what it means to keep your lamps burning, right? So who who finds that idea of keeping your lamps burning? For me, I question the idea of, okay, what does it mean to keep your lamp burning? Does anybody have an idea of what it means to keep your lamps burning? Precious has something to say. You have a mic, right? Yeah. Okay. Church praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I was going to say to keep our lamps burning is like um, continuously walking with the Spirit and making sure that we're feeling ourselves with the Word of God every day. So you're talking about putting oil continuously in your lamp so the oil doesn't burn out? That is nice. I like that analogy. I like that. Who else has something else to say about keeping your lamps burning? You know when you go to work, they'll say, don't overwork yourself because you get burnt out, right? You burn your candles on both ends, like your candle will burn out. So what does it mean to keep your lamps burning? When Jesus said, keep your lamps burning. Sister Lillian, is there a mic close to you? Is there a mic? Okay, sorry. Bottom line, keep fit. Keep fit. He said, be vigilant. Okay. For the adversary, the devil is, is running around trying. If we are not, if our lamps are not burning, we will not see okay. those things. Literally. Okay. Awesome. I like that. Keep vigilant. Keep fit. Exercise your faith, right? Uh, because if your lamps are not burning, you're going to see the darkness. It's good that Paul says we are not of the darkness that that day should come upon us, which means if we're not in the darkness, we have our light on, right? Which means we're not living in darkness, we're living in the light, right? Okay, so I'm going to look at um, Luke 11, 34 to 36. Luke 11, 34 to 36. Who has that that can read for us? My dear friend, what's your name? What's your name? Yeah. Ayobiji. Ayobiji. Oh, welcome. All right. Do you do you have it? Do you want to read for us today? Uh, Luke eleven, thirty-four to thirty-six. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no darkness, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though if not light were filling you with light. Thank you so much. All right, so Christ is saying that your eyes are the lamp of your body. If your eyes, some versions will say your eyes are single, meaning having a single vision, a single focus, your whole body will be flooded with light. But if 
the light that is in you in darkness. Okay. You want, you want to read the different version? No, no, there's something there mm-hmm. that it said that make sure that you are in the light. Can you say it again? Can you say your please, version again? You, no, no, yes. Please read the, the, the 35? Yes. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Right. <laughs> yes. That is, that is yeah. the portion that touched me. Make sure. That the light you think you have, it's not actually it's not darkness. actually darkness. Because some of us will be in the darkness. Eh? And we like accustomed to that darkness. And we can navigate in the darkness. And we, we think, think that you have the light. Wow, that is so awesome. So think about it. This is a really, when Jesus is telling you this, what does it mean to have your vision, your eyes being the lamp of the body, right? Paul says it in a different way. If you look at Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4, uh, somebody else can read that one. Colossians 3, but how does Paul say that? Colossians 3, 1 to 4. He says it in the simplest of ways, right? But when you uh, go in depth into it, so, Sister uh, Asimba, do you want to read that one for us? Colossians 3, it's actually on the screen, we can read it as well. Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. And God. When Christ, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So, he's telling you how to keep your focus single. Right? Your eye is the lamp of the body. Some people think they're Christians, but they go about seeking the things of the world and they're comfortable seeking the things of the world. That's why he's telling you to be careful that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. But Paul makes it clear to you that you should seek the things of the I like the word, set your affections on the things that are above. Set your affections. You know what it means to set your affections? I have a friend, she just, her affection is the next trip, the next party. That, you, she set her affections on the things that are of this world. When is the next party? When is the next Owambe happening? Yeah? That's her affection, her passion. Some people, it's what is the next position? They're very passionate about their jobs. I was talking to a guy yesterday because I went to the gym and he talks with passion about how mountains have life, animals have spirits, and he can't wait to go to the next camping trip to, he told me about Zion Park. I said, you have so much passion about these things. Is that what you believe? What is your belief? And he says he thinks Buddhism is probably the way. I said, okay. Uh, are you saying that? So we, we couldn't, because the class has to start, so I couldn't go into detail with him and, and start to analyze certain things. Because the thing with wanting to talk to someone about faith is that first you have to kind of understand what they believe, then understand why they believe what they believe, and then try and introduce a new idea to them. 
because you get like like I I constantly try and talk to to Muslims and I come to realize the fact that you can't you can't break a stone without first understanding where the stone was cut from, right? So it's the same thing with us. Paul is introducing the idea of the fact that if you don't set your affections on the things above, your lamp, your light, is going to be darkness. You were redeemed out of the world. So if your passion is constantly the things of the world, that is the way the world works. But once you're redeemed out of the world, you have to set your passion. The same way you set your passion on the things of this earth is the same way you set your passion on the things that are above. You have to apply that same energy, that same desire, the wantiness, the, the desire for it. Right? People may laugh at you and say, this one carry church for head. But without setting your passions on the things above, your light will go out. Okay? All right, the next uh, one we're... One thing I want to say about uh-huh. setting your passion too, when you are setting your passion, your passion must be set with understanding. Because yes. if you are if you are setting your passion, there are some of us that are so passionate, you know, on certain things, you know, it's just on an emotional basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So our setting our passion on things or above should not be on emotional basis, on impulse, you know. Yeah. It must come with understanding of where you are setting your heart. So let me put a little, shed a little more light when I say setting your passion on things above. When I say set your passion on the things above, I'm saying set your passions on knowing who Christ is. Hungering for a revelation of who he is. Hungering for a revelation of who God is. Wanting to know God. What does Jesus say? Jesus says this is eternal life. To know you, the one through God, and to know Jesus whom you sent into the world. You have to set your passion on knowing God. Different people set their passion on what they think is the things above. Some people might go, I just go to church, I got to clean the church, I got to, and it, it's just earthly activities. That communication with God, that longing for God to reveal himself to them, to them is not there. You see a lot of the time when people start uh, arguing with you and telling you that Christians are the ones, Christians are judgmental, Christians are bigots. It's because of what they've experienced. They didn't say it out of the blue. Because somebody else who claimed they were a Christian took a plaque and started saying, all of you must die, all Jews must die, all this must die. Are those people actually seeking a revelation of who God is? They don't know who God is. The guy that I was talking to yesterday, he was he was telling me that I don't believe that God created everything uh, and just hated some things. He loves everything. I said, well, that's your opinion of God. Have you ever tried? Maybe you should ask God to reveal himself to you. It's like coming to me and saying, glory is this. Well, you don't actually know who I am. If I don't reveal who I am to you, if, I, if we don't spend time together, you're not going to know who I truly am. Yes, we're all created in his image. But what does that image truly look like? The image could be formed because it says we were created in his likeness and in his image. The word image means form, meaning that he looks like, he doesn't look like an animal. So if somebody tells you an animal is a god like the Egyptians would, that is not God. Because he did not create animals in his image. He created me and you in his image to look like him. Now his personality is the one that he will reveal to you. And you have to seek 
to ask him to reveal himself to you. While him revealing himself to you, he constantly says in the Bible that he hid himself from the Israelites. Why? Because they were falling after false gods, yeah? Why is he hiding himself? Because he, if he starts a relationship with you, don't try to pull away from him. If I get married to somebody, don't suddenly tell me you want to divorce me. What have I done to you to make you do that? So you have to seek the person to know him for who he is. That is what it means to set your affections. Set your affections on him. Set your affections on Christ. That is the keeping your lamps burning. Why, why is, during the parable of the, when the ten virgins, those who carry the lamps, why, why are they carrying lamps? Because it's part of an old Galilean culture. When Jews are getting married, when it's time for, nobody actually knows the days when the, they, first of all, they do a betrothal. From the betrothal is when she's married to the man. But she's not going to have any uh, consummation with the man until she moves into the man's house. And usually it takes about a year, right? At that point, he's preparing a house to come and take the bride to his house. Him and his father were preparing the house. The father then says, okay, the house is ready and let's go and bring your wife to the house. So there will be a procession where everyone is actually walking, but they will carry lamps with them. Today, if you go to an Orthodox, an Orthodox Jewish wedding, they do it in the daytime, but they still carry candles. Because the candle symbolizes the movement within the light into the house of the woman, right? So it's the same thing. He's, the, just as the wife is waiting with Tasha for her husband of her new coming home, the whole idea is to set your affection on the one whom you're waiting for. It's a, it's a love relationship. You have to say, you have to keep loving that person until the person comes back. Just like the wife is waiting for the husband to come, the woman that she, she's betrothed to, she's waiting for her betrothed to come and take her to the house where they're supposed to live together. That is the affection you're setting. So it's not about going to church, doing a lot of things, doing X, Y, Z, going from uh, here to there and causing chaos. Even the, the people who actually, most of Europe, when they actually were growing about conquering lands and conquering Africa and doing slave trade, they were all Christian empires at that point. They were all claiming to be doing things in the, in the name of Christ. But their affections were set on world, worldly stuff. It was wealth, riches, and plundering, right? So the affectionate part is the setting your heart on him, okay? So I've actually gone uh, too much in length, but uh, we'll go to something else that Jesus says, and then we'll do our exercise that I talked about, okay? So uh, Matthew, four, Ma- Matthew 5, uh, 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Uh, who has it? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in so he's telling you that not only must you keep your light, your lamps burning, but know that you are that light and you have to shine in the midst of the darkness. You cannot hide the light, right? So one, 
your eyes aligned with your body. So set your affections on the things that are of God to keep your light burning. And two, don't hide that light. Because you are the light in the midst of the darkness. So show forth your good works so that your master may be glorified. Right? People have different opinions about Christians, like I said before. All the bad things that I've had, had someone insult me and tell me that all the bad things that have happened in this world, all the wars is because of Christians. Well, I'm not those people, am I? But I have a faith to defend. And that defense comes through my actions, right? That is another way to keep your lamp burning. By knowing and being conscious of the fact that you are a light in the midst of that darkness. You are, you're representing someone. You're telling a story of someone. So how you testify of God, the Bible says that they overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, right? How you're testifying about that person makes a whole lot of difference. Okay, this one is dead, I guess. All right, okay, so now we'll go ahead and do the exercise that I wanted us to do today. So each one of you is gonna tell me what's your favorite Bible story and then you're going to say why it's your favorite Bible story, okay? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You talked about setting our affection on things high. Mhm. And you talked about being the light of the world. Mhm. And if we focus on Him, we will live. Our lives will keep burning. Yes. Then you brought an example of. When during the slave trade, yeah. when those people came, many of them were Christian and the Christians and they, they came with the, with the word of God to evangelize. Well, not necessarily. Those who came, the empires themselves. So, for example, the Portuguese Empire, right? It was a Christian empire, but they came to take slaves. And the Bible clearly says, don't steal a man and sell him. Okay, but many of the, where I'm holding on to, Many of them were Sometimes your light in whichever calling you may have chosen may be burning. Yeah. And people see that you are a Christian. Yeah. And they want to subscribe to this whatever yeah. it is because they see your light burning. Yeah. But there is a clause there. Yeah. When your light is burning, in whom and through whom? I don't think we have to leave that why because I see some people they will say let me coach you to start coaching others and they now go monetize monetize your coaching monetize your page have you been saying that thank you the young ones will be saying it because I see that a lot so you see where we monetize our lives that is going. We monetize our candle. The 
the young ones will understand what um, I'm saying. So the, we should clarify that. Okay. We should clarify that when we are in adult classes like this. Pass on those me that I love bringing things to me and you. Yeah. I don't leave it the way vague. Okay, okay, okay. How do we do this? Okay. Because truly, he is coaching, I am coaching, I coached him to start coaching, and you are coaching and you're having your followers, and you are monetizing your followers. And probably so, I also monetize him because I have wherever you touch, it will take you to where you will pay and all of that, and you will learn you are now in my funnel. I think that's the language now. He is now in my funnel, other people are going to be in his funnel. So, so how do we make sure that this light, according to what is you read also, how are you sure that this light that is burning is the right light that is supposed to be burning in our lives? So this is a this very this raises a, a, a really interesting conversation. And I'm going to say something uh, from my own point of view. I don't believe in monetizing the things of God. I actually absolutely reject it. I don't believe that the word of God should be monetized in any way. When the, because the Bible clearly says, come and drink the waters that are free. Come and eat the things that are free. Come, take, eat, free. Jesus also said to his disciples, freely have you received Freely give. I do not believe, even when Paul is writing this letter, he says that I worked with my own hands so that I should not burden you. Even though the priests, they partake in the, in the sacrifices that are being offered. But I, even though I'm entitled to it, I have not burdened you with anything. Paul worked as a tent maker. The same thing, I believe in working with your own hands to make your money. When God called the people of Israel to give and make donations for the building of the temple, he says, call for an offering, but let everyone whose heart is willing, give willingly. When you begin to monetize the word of God, that's where you build what's called a Abel and Cain situation. People begin to give to their own detriment. They become like Cain. Not because they gave grudgingly. They gave sinfully. They didn't have that relationship with God. They didn't build a relationship with God. You didn't teach them that I am just a person. Don't set your eyes on me. Set your eyes on Christ. Ask Christ to reveal himself to you. As a coach, whoever you're teaching, let them know that I'm, on, I'm an under-shepherd. The master himself is the one you should seek to see with your own eyes. When I pray, I say, Lord, give me eyes to see you. Just as the prophet saw you. When Jesus was talking to those Jews, he says, Abraham saw my day and he was pleased. And he said, you're not even up to 50. And are you saying that Abraham saw you? You have to seek... If you are coaching people, you have to tell them to seek to see God themselves. They shouldn't look at you. The moment you're monetizing yourself, you're asking people to look at you. And you have suddenly begun to replace yourself. Put yourself as an image before them instead of Christ. 
You do not monetize the gift that God has given you. That's what I will tell everyone. Don't ever try. God will let you do it. You will make money. That's fine. But when you have to face your master, that's between you and your master to discuss. But I know the revelation that he has given me because I read the word and I understand what his word says. Right? The same thing, you should teach people to understand what the word says. There are times when God lays a burden in my heart that I have to do certain things because he wants to... I look at myself, there's a book that I found, right? I found it in one of the houses that we were viewing. And the book, the title of the book is The Satan's Accountant. That's the title of the book. Obviously, I didn't open it to read it. But I saw myself in that instance as God's accountant. Why did I see myself in that instance? Because I felt like I have to be frugal with how I make my contributions. I have to be frugal with how I manage God's money. Anything that that is it with me I don't see it as my own money I see it as God's money and I have to give account to who who am I managing his money if you're someone's accountant the person is always going to call you to whoever, whoever that book I don't know what it what it means or what it's actually saying I'm probably telling you that you know he's accountable to to, to say that I'm pretty sure Satan wants his money messed around with you want to say something just finally yeah what I I want to add to Yeah. Without looking up to that gain you are going to make here. Exactly. So that yes. the master will meet you at your service post. Yes. Doing what he has. Yes. Posted. That's where I'm going with the person. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that great uh, addition, Sister Living. All right. So uh, the, we were going to start the exercise. So let's quickly start it now. Uh, I, I'll go first. All right. My favorite Bible story is the story of Joseph. Why? So if you guys remember the story, Joseph, actually, he was 17 when he was his father's favorite son because of the fact that his father loved his mother more than the wife. You know the story how, you know, his father, his brother-in-law tricked him, or his father-in-law tricked him and gave him the wrong sister. And he woke up and was like, wow, what is this? Where's my wife? All right. Well, he loved the woman more than all. And then Joseph was the son of the woman he loved the most. And so he loved Joseph even more. And then because of this, God chose Joseph, not because his father and mother loved him. God chose Joseph because of who Joseph was. Right. But at the age of 17, you know, he tells his brothers um, a promise that God had given him through a dream. And that made his brothers hate him even more. And then what happens is, obviously, we know how his brothers decide that they were going to sell him into slavery. So he's in slavery for how many years? Anybody remember? 13 years. He's in prison for 13 years. All right. He is going through slavery and prison sentence that he knows absolutely nothing about. But he keeps his faith through all of that. You know, God tells you that everybody's going to bow before you. Everyone's going to worship you. And then when you're going through slavery, you're the slave. You're a stolen slave. You're going through that. You're in the prison. You still have faith in God. You still have faith enough to reject adultery. People who are, who are someone stole you, you know, life 
dealt you a really horrible hand, you're in the house of someone and the mistress says, somebody takes a liking to you, most people of our generation will, they'll be like, okay, well, she'll treat me well. She'll probably promote me. She'll probably do all of this for me. She'll give me a lot more money. She'll give me a lot more things. But he rejects sin, even in the midst of his suffering, right? He continues to cling to God even through all of the suffering. And then when God brings him to the end, well, how does he testify? He said, God has caused me to forget my sorrow. How does he name his son? Manasseh. The meaning of Manasseh is cause, cause to forget, right? Forgetting, right? He says, God has caused me to forget my sorrows. Right? When he comes out of the great tribulation and the great suffering, he doesn't remember the years that he has suffered. He continues to serve God and to glorify God. That is why I love that service because I, it's applicable to my life. It's applicable to my life in a lot of ways. I, the things that I've been through, trials and tribulations that I've been through in my life, not because I was so perfect, not because I was so holy, but God also showed me grace, right? Okay, who's gonna go next? I wanna hear each of you tell a story that you know. Can we start with Hannah? Hannah, Hannah, Hannah? You wanna start with one? Oh, Lyle has one, okay, all right. You wanna go? No, no, just abbreviate the story. Which is your favorite story? Which one? Uh, Jonathan. I forgot his name, but it's something in the whale. Oh, Jonah and the... Okay. Well, okay, so what is the story? So tell the story. Um, where Jonah doesn't obey God, and he goes on a ship, and then a storm comes, and he and everyone throws him off the ship, and then he gets eaten by a whale. <laughs> All right, and so why do you like the story? Because of the whale. What? <laughs> <laughs> so how does the whale apply to your life? It's just funny that a whale ate him up? Just like whales. Oh, wow, okay. All right, well, that's a really good story because it tells the story of the fact that even when you're running from God, the, the tribulation that God sends your way is meant to help you to be obedient to God, right? Okay, who's gonna go next? Okay, so my favorite story is the first one in Genesis, when God creates uh, heaven and the earth. Oh, that's nice. So just knowing the fact that God created all things is just absolutely good for you. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. I like that. All right, who's next? I guess it's my children. <laughs> <laughs> um, numbers 22, I think. Okay. Where Baal was his name, I think. Uh-huh. Where he's beating up his donkey because it won't move. Oh, that's <laughs> a that's a um, Balaam. Yeah, it's a Balaam. Okay, yeah. And the donkey starts starts speaking to him like, "Why are you punishing me?" Uh-huh. And I like that one because I don't know. It's like even through like the most ridiculous of situations, you get an answer through what you least expect. <laughs> that's nice. I like that. Thank you, Ms. Jayla. All right, who's next? Oh, all right, well, well sorry. My, <laughs> my best one, the Bible, would be uh, David and Goliath. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, because that way, whatever problems, situations you find yourself, you can always go to God and get a solution. And whether how you think that the mountain is bigger, bigger than you, you can fix it with a little help from that. Thank you.
Awesome, Sister Lily wants to go next. When you say favorite story, actually, I have so much of so it. I just want to go with one that really resonates with my own life journey. Okay. And that is the woman with the issue of blood. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. That's definitely yeah. a good one. Um, it's um, yeah, we see that this woman, she belonged to that to that clan before, to that village, to that city, to that town. She related with a lot of people, if not almost everybody living in that village or that town at that time. She used the same market with them. They went to the same church, worshipped together. Up until when the issue came, came on her, and she was like ostracized, she was like banished, mm. she was not going to attend church with people again. My voice is loud enough. She was not going to attend church with people again. She was not going to shop in the same mall again. She was not going to mix with people. She was not going to attend weddings. Why? Because she has issues of blood. But each time I study this um, this place or places because we have to have it in Each time I study it, I see that at some point I had issues. I had issues. It must not be issue of blood. We all have issues. But um, when somebody's issue is uh, is is it can be seen or can be can be touched, we seem to run away from that person because we can see the person's issue. But what about me that you can't physically see my issue, but I am carrying it along, but you feel that I can worship in the same place with you, I can go to the same church with you and all of that. So it, 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 it touches me because I have issues that you are not seeing, but you are allowing me in your, in your, in your space. Mm. Okay? Now, it also happens to me. Like, going um, through the, going through with the issue of infertility, mm. if I don't come to tell you I am going through with the issue of infertility, you will not know. Mm. So, um, you've been giving me um, Bible studies to do, teachings to do, up until one day I was at the pulpit in one of the churches, I was teaching women, it's been my call anyway, I was teaching and they were like, a person stood up, I said that before and asked me, how do I think it's easy for a man without feet? You know, we can't see him, we can see that he doesn't have feet, but that man is not seeing what I am facing, you know, so he's throwing this question and the Holy Spirit says, ask him to come to church. So I just it, where it touches me and makes me feel good is that you don't want to feel that because you have one issue you have to be relegated. Mm. No, use that issue to minister to people. Mm. Then because you have experience in that issue, you are speaking about it passionately and you are using it to bless the lives of those who have other issues that may not be the issue of Lord, the issue of infertility, the issue of uh, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah. So this appears to be one of the best.
Thank you so much for that, Cecilia, and I really appreciate that. I'm gonna piggyback off of her story when we're done with this exercise. So who's going next first? Who's going next? Timmy wants to go. Miracle, I will call you if you come this. You don't raise your hand next. Go on, Timmy. My favorite story is Meshach. Oh, yes. Yeah. The three Jewish boys with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they remain vigilant with okay. their faith, and you know they didn't, they didn't give up. So that's that's my favorite. That's awesome. Thank you, Timmy. Who else? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, Precious. Mine is kind of like a comparation of everything about them. From when they got to, you know, the new land. I think it was Babylon. Yeah, Babylon. When they got to Babylon at first, and Because they, you know, they chose not to take in something that was defiled, yeah. and they ended up being better than everyone. Everyone else. And also how he prayed from three times a day to God, regardless of you know the situation. Awesome, awesome, like that, awesome. All right, who's going next? Miracle, thank you. So he didn't actually leave, he actually took a vacation, right? Yeah. He didn't quit his job. Yeah. <laughs> took PTO. Like, well, obviously, they don't have PTO back then. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone out, 
Okay, so one, one thing I want to say about that before, because so just so uh, people are clear, Nehemiah was building the temple of his God. His affection was on the temple of God. It wasn't necessarily because of all oh, my people are suffering. Yes, he was grieved that the people of God were suffering. But above all else, remember when those people came, they sent him a letter and they said, uh, come let us have a conversation with you. And he says, I'm doing a very important work. I'm building the house of my God. He was building the temple of God. His focus was set on rebuilding God's temple. We don't have a temple in Nigeria. And even if we did, I do not believe that God authorized that temple, right? So it is not about whether somebody left Nigeria. The reason why people are running away from Nigeria is because of the way Nigeria is. But we here, we do pray constantly for Nigeria. There are times when I've thought about going back. So Nigeria is a, is a it's a brick wall that needs breaking down, but it's gonna take the power of God, right? It's not that people leave and they don't have their, most people who live have families back there and they're constantly trying to help their own families, right? A lot of people are trying to get their families out of there, but the truth is the problem that is facing is another story for another day. We can go into a whole lot of conversation about that, but I want you to be aware that Nehemiah's heart was set on rebuilding the temple of God. And he also fought for the people, for those taxes imposed upon them to, to be stop. Yes. Yeah. So it was that one was that one didn't actually concern the temple for the people. So I, I think I follow where she is going. Yeah. She should remember that there, 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 there's a lot we can do to stop this uh, taxes on them or whatever mm -hmm. that they are using to, to play the people of Nigeria. Oh, nobody's taxing Nigeria. It's Nigerians that are taxing themselves. Those people too, they were taxing themselves. No, no, it was it was the it was the empire, the Babylonian empire. Yeah, that is the Babylonian empire that was oppressing them. So, we, again, we Nigeria is a very controversial subject. So we can go into that uh, uh, shortly. Uh, Ayo Deji, right? Okay, Ayo Deji, you wanna go next? Mine would be. The Good Samaritan. Okay. Because it teaches about empathy and how to care for one another, you know, irrespective of uh, the person's race or background. So we try and look out for, um, try and look out, yes, to the housekeeper. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. The reason why that um, was the, the scribe, the teacher of the law, asked him, who is my, who is my neighbor? Where does it come from? Because the, the instruction comes from Leviticus, right? Uh, to love your neighbor as yourself. The word in Leviticus is actually to love your own kinsman, to love your fellow Israelites as your own self. So he then begins to ask him that, okay, so who is then my neighbor, right? Because there's a lot of, there's Samaritans at the time who claim they're also Israelites, who claim that they're descended from Israelites. You have Judeans, you have Galileans, you have this. So he's trying to justify himself and say, who then is the Israelite that I should be loving? And so he then tells them that at that point when he's telling them, the Samaritans and the Jews have animosity between them. So he's giving him a parable of telling that the person whom you think hates you is the one you should even be loving the more. Okay? So that, that that's a really great story. Sister Aishama and Pastor, you both are left. And then we'll go we'll round this up. Sister Aishama, you want to go next? You know why I would like to? To pass on this, right? It's because I don't have 
favorite one? A favorite one. Okay. My I, a story becomes favorite depending a situation. Oh really? So, okay. Uh, I don't. I can't say. But like now, my favorite will be um, the the parable of the of the sower. Okay, okay. So it's, it just depends. Okay, yeah. okay. alright, let's uh, let's ask Pastor. What is his favorite? I also would not have a favorite, but because my wife actually does not have a favorite, <laughs> I will have one. Okay. Genesis chapter 1, 2, 6, 2, 7, 2, 8. And then I will want to tie that to. John chapter three. Okay. Yes. Three sixteen for God so loved the world. So okay. you see, you have a situation where God so loves you and I that His image. Remind me of the statement that Jesus says, For I have not come to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved. So, from all of the stories that each and every one of us has, has told, right? Paul says, All of these things have been written so that you may know, right? For you, for your own building, for you to know and to be aware of, right? But in all of the stories that we have read, we have seen that. Each and every one of these situations has faced some kind of trouble, some kind of challenge, some kind of trial. As a watching servant, you're watching for the thief coming, right? The thief that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But how are you watching, right? The lamp that you're keeping burning and staying watchful for, how are you doing that? By keeping your gaze on God. Each of these stories, I like the story of the woman with the issue of blood because of the fact that she says, if I can, she said in her mind, if I can but only touch the hem of his garment. See where her focus was? Yes, she had been going about trying to get doctors and she was getting worse, but then she changed her focus. She had only one focus. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be fine. Each of these stories had a single focus. Nehemiah's story, he said, I am not doing anything else. I'm not coming to see you because I am completing a very important work. He set his focus. He set his eyes. His eyes were single on the, his God. Each of those stories, from the, even the story of Jonah, when Jonah fell into the belly of the fish, he knew who to cry out to. He set his focus on God. 
In each of the trials, each of the situations, Christ said that temptation must come into this world, challenges must come into this world, war onto this world because of all these things that you must go through, right? But your focus has to be on God. Whether it is you're facing a temptation, I have to counsel people who are dealing with anger issues, right? Let your focus be on the God who is able to deliver you from that kind of heart, from a heart that is easily angered. Even when you're facing something that you believe that you're weak to, let your focus be on the God who is able to redeem you. Set your affections on the God who is able. You know, you've heard the word, you've heard the scripture. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Thou, the, you've heard the law, but set your focus. I've given an example of um, my driver that we met while we were in Morocco, and he says that obeying the commandments in the Quran are very difficult. And in my heart, I was grieved because I know that if he was, if you knew who Christ was, Christ is not the walk with Christ is a daily process. He's the one that purifies you. He's the one that refines you. You can cry out to Him, and you can tell Him to help you, help me to keep your commands. What does he say? What does the, the, the psalmist say? Lord, give me a contrite spirit. Give me a contrite heart, right? That I may be obedient to you. That is how we should continue in our walk with God. Keeping your land, setting your affections on him. Knowing that when you go through the trial, when you go through the tribulation, even when you go through the temptation, he is the one that you're cleaving to, that you're crying out to, that you're holding tightly to. Nothing is a distraction for you. You're not thinking about how am I going to fix this problem. You're looking to the one who is able to fix your problems. The reason why people run about like headless chickens is because they do not realize that it is not you who is fixing your problem. It is God himself who is, in, who is within you that is fixing your problem. And you can be a light to the next person who goes through the same kind of issue. Right? Sister, Sister Lillian, when she was going through her issue, she was holding on to her God. And in that moment, she was carrying her light within her, being a light to comforting everybody else. As Paul says, being able to comfort someone else with the same comfort you have received. Right? So we'll kind of leave it there because we've gone to 10.30. Past 10.30. I apologize. Uh, any questions? No? Okay, let's finish with a prayer. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being the light that is within us. The God of all glory, the most high, the unchanging changer, the one from generation to generation who's faithful. Thank you because your love is profound. We ask, oh God, that even now we will experience a revelation of your love in new ways. We will feel and experience your love in a new way, oh God. That no matter what it is we're going through, no matter what it is your people are going through, oh God, that their eyes will be open to see you and that your focus will be set upon you alone. We just worship you this this morning. We glorify you and thank you for your word. We ask, oh God, that you will water your word and give us give us in-depth understanding. Make these words, oh God, be a much fruit in our lives. We worship and we adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.